if I was to write a book uh, that would be short enough and impactful, what book would I, would I write? And that's when I stumbled across a key piece of research that said that your resilience, the way that you deal with the emotional ups and downs of life is what impacts your success, wow. your, uh, your emotional well-being, your productivity, uh, your, uh, your satisfaction in life hmm. more than your IQ or anything else. And so that's what I decided wow. to write the book for. I wrote this book for my sister, hmm. for her to have a guide that said, these are the most important things that I have learned and I would like you to have a copy. What is going on, my friends? Brian Caligari here. Thank you so much for joining me on this week's episode of Cut the Crap Podcast, where every single week I'm reading a book, condensing it down to its core golden nuggets. I'm bringing the author on the show to have a conversation about the golden nuggets. And I'm here every single week with you, just trying to save you a little bit of time and bring you some information that I believe can spark real change in your life. If you love the show, then please go online, rate and review the show. If you're listening on SoundCloud and Spotify, they don't give you the opportunity to leave a rating and a review. So just send me an email to podcast at ryancalajari.com. Tell me how much you love the show. But if you're listening on iTunes or uh, what's the other one, Stitcher or Google um, or Google Podcasts, they give you the opportunity to leave a rating and review. So when you do that on those platforms, just take a screen capture of it and send it to podcast at ryancalajari.com. And I'll make sure you get into the draw every single quarter for a prize. And I know I haven't come up with an idea for this quarter's prize. I'm not too sure what I'm doing yet, but I'll figure it out. But you just want to get your entries in because the prize, as always, it's going to be kick-ass, guys. So get your ratings and get your reviews in. Also, don't forget to connect with me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you're going to connect with me on any of them, any of those platforms, LinkedIn and probably Instagram. Those two are your best bets. Those are the ones I'm most active on and the ones you'll be seeing updates from me on more frequently. I got stories on Instagram and updates on the regular on LinkedIn. So please give me a follow on there and you'll see all the crazy stuff I'm up to throughout the week. And last but not least, go to cutthecrappodcast.com and sign up for the summaries. I will be sending those out as well. I know I'm behind on that one. This one's taking a lot longer than I expected, but don't worry. They'll get to your inbox soon enough. So go online, rate in, or go online. I just said that. Go to uh, cutthecrappodcast.com and on the summaries page there, leave me your information. I'll make sure that you get entered on the list, on the mailing list, and I'll send those out when they're ready. All right. Now. So excited about this episode. I know I say that all the time, but I'm telling you, this episode by far. Now, I've had Seth Godin on the show, Dan Pink, Mark Manson, Patrick Lencioni, so many awesome authors talking about great books. We have great interviews, but this one in particular just stood out to me. Seven things resilient people do differently and how they can help you succeed in business and in life. This one's by Akash Korea, and I really enjoyed talking to Akash about the seven things resilient people do. I don't really want to spoil this one or talk too much about it because it's a longer interview, but I'm telling you, the reason why I really love this one above all other interviews is just because I know how important all this stuff is. Life is tough. Life is hard, and we hit setbacks all the time. But we need to be resilient in order to deal with those setbacks, to look at those setbacks as setups for something greater. The challenge is when you're going through all that garbage, all that crap, you don't see the benefit that can come from that. So by understanding what resilient people do differently, I believe that it can start planting seeds in every single person who listens to this, every single person to become more resilient, to be able to look at difficulty in the face and say, I'm not worried about this. I'm going to get through this. And that to me, that's it's incredible. Being able to weather the storm and get through the storm and see the bright road ahead. We need that more than ever in life today. Far too many people are being overcome by fear and anxiety, depression, apathy, laziness. A poor diet, no exercise, no goals, no dreams, no hopes, nothing. And why? Because they've lost the ability to be resilient in my opinion. So that's why this book is so important to me. And I hope, please, Cut the Crap Podcast Nation. I don't ask you for a lot, but I'm asking you this today. I would love to see so many of you who are listening today, please. And I am being honest about this and I'm being very upfront with all of you. And I do have a favor to ask you all. But this episode in particular, please 
share this on your social networks. Share this on your social networks, whether it's LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, it doesn't matter. But I just know that there might be somebody out there who needs to hear these messages, who needs to be pumped up because maybe they've been knocked down too many times. Maybe they're going to go through some tough times. Maybe they're going through tough times and you don't even know it. So many people suffer in silence. How often do we hear that? You just talk about Anthony Bourdain recently or Kate Spade, all these these people where you look at them, you're like, they have it all. And yet they're suffering inside. It's my hope that people will build this resilience and hopefully this plants some seeds with them that gives them a little bit of strength, a little bit of hope to keep pushing forward another day. Like I said, you just don't know. So please, everyone out there in Cut the Crap Podcast Nation, do me a favor and get this out there. It has nothing to do with promoting the show. To me, it's just about getting a very important message out to the people who might need to hear it. And I know this show has changed so many lives. I see the emails. I get the phone calls. I get the text messages. I get the direct mailers. I know how this show is changing people's lives. So if you out there listening right now can change somebody's life by sharing it through your social network and somebody just so happens to see it, you never know the kind of impact it'll have. In any case, let's get into this one because, again, I love this episode and I know you're going to love it too. Again, this is Emotional Habits, the seven things resilient people do differently and how they can help you succeed in business and in life by Akash Korea. I'll catch you back here at the end of the episode. Enjoy. Akash, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing fantastic, Ryan. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, like I said, it's before when we were talking, it's just such a pleasure having you on the show because this thing called resilience... We don't hear a lot about it. And I talk about these things on a regular basis with Cut the Crap Podcast Nation. Like Cut the Crap Podcast Nation, you know that when it comes to resilience, we talk about this. But we never actually go deep into the topic of resilience. So that's why I'm really excited to bring you on this show today, Akash. But before we get into the golden nuggets and before we dig deeper into this thing called resilience, introduce yourself to, the, to, uh, to Cut the Crap Podcast Nation. Tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and why you wrote the book in the first place. Well, first of all, I'm very, very excited to be on this podcast. You have a great podcast going on, Ryan. Awesome. So my name is Akash. I'm born and raised in East Africa, which is um, in Tanzania, which Hmm. is the home of Mount Kilimanjaro. Hmm. Now, growing up, I was really excited about uh, reading personal development books because I am a very, very shy individual. Hmm. Uh, I'm an introvert by nature, and reading was my way of uh, creating a new world for myself. It was my way of escaping into the books that I was reading. Right. Now, as I started reading, I went more into personal development style of books. And that was where I learned that I could take certain techniques from personal development and use them to improve myself. Mm. Um, fast forward to today, what I do now is I write personal development books that summarize the key research findings on social influence, on emotional resilience, on motivation. And the reason that I wrote this book, Ryan, is I shared this book, not with the world, I shared this book with my sister. I have a a younger (laughs) sister who's about six years younger than me and she was heading off to university. Hmm. And I looked at, I have about 12 books that I've written, some of these Hmm. about 200 pages long, and my sister doesn't like reading books. (laughs) My sister is nowhere. My sister is nowhere anywhere like me. We're completely different personalities. She's very extroverted. I'm very introverted. Hmm. But I looked at if I was to write a book uh, that would be short enough and impactful, what book would would I write? Hmm. And that's when I stumbled across a key piece of research that said that your resilience, the way hmm. that you deal with the emotional ups and downs of life, is what impacts your success. Wow. Your uh, your emotional well-being, your productivity, uh, your uh, your satisfaction in life hmm. more than your IQ or anything else. And so that's what I decided wow. to write the book for. I wrote this book for my sister, hmm. for her to have a guide that said, these are the most important things that I have learned and wow. I would like you to have a copy. Wow. And it just so happens that this book has now resonated with thousands of people all across the world. Oh, of course. Yeah, I, I love this book. And again, I was telling you this before, and I think it's just important to share it with, with everyone out there and Cut the Crap Podcast Nation. But I picked your book up, and I picked up a few copies of it, and I shared it with some, with some clients, with some friends, with some family members, because I truly believe that what you shared here, what you shared with your sister – what a, what a good what a, number one what a good brother you are first off to write this book for your sister like that's awesome and what you put in this book 
was awesome. And I do truly believe that it's foundational to a lot of pieces of success. And I know today we talk a lot about sales and marketing and innovation strategy and tactics and strategy and all this stuff. But without some of this more foundational stuff, you really don't have a strong foundation or backbone to build on. And I really feel that this is something that's very foundational and so important for everybody to read, which is why I'm so excited to have you on this show and why I'm excited to actually break into this. And we have a lot of golden nuggets to get through today. Obviously, with uh, the title of seven things, we have at least seven golden nuggets. We have eight golden nuggets that we're going to break into. So why don't we crack right into the very first one? Golden Golden nugget number one. I took this quote from the book and it says that, Many experts believe that emotional resilience is the number one key to success. It's not education. It's not conventional intelligence. It's emotional resilience. So what is that and why is it so important? Uh, So that's a good question. There's a blog post by Seth Godin, who's one of my favorite bloggers. And it says that uh, he this blog post says, how easily do you bounce back from disappointment? What's your reaction to change? As an investor or a board member or an employee, are you seeking stability or impact? Resilience is a skill and one that's probably more valuable than most. Wow. So the question is, what exactly is resilience? And that's what I was wondering. So I went ahead and I looked at how do I define resilience? And I think the best definition that I have for resilience is your ability to bounce back mm. from negative emotional states into more positive, productive states that help you achieve the goals that you want. One of the things that I believe is that no emotion is wrong. So I'm not saying that anger is negative, disappointment is negative. What I am saying is states are only negative if they stop you from achieving more productive things in life. So if you wallow in anger and that's where you're stuck, that's when it becomes harmful. Hmm. But if you use anger to fuel you to determination, then that's a way of bouncing back, using that anger to go into more productive states of life. So resilience to me is a way of being in an emotional state where you're negative and it's holding you back and then bouncing back from Mm. it and in fact using it to go into more productive states in life. And how important is that skill? It's critical because every single day, like even today, today I experienced, you know, little setbacks in my life. And I think we face these all the times. And what really defines people and what defines people's careers and and their lives and their success that they have in life is their ability, like you said, to bounce back. And I was having this conversation with friends and, and, and in all of our lives, we've seen areas where we've hit a dip and that dip was destructive to certain lives. It was bad. Maybe it was the death of a family member, somebody losing a job, um, an investment going wrong, um, a relationship breaking up. And we just, so many of us just fell apart in different ways, but we all managed to bounce back. And as a result, we all came out of it so much stronger. And so mm-hmm. building this thing called resilience is is so important. And we just don't talk about it enough. Like I said, we talk strategy and tactics and all this stuff. But this more foundational element about resilience, uh, it's something that I just want to focus more and more on. And I'm glad that you took the time to really create this book and to focus on it because it, it is foundational and it's so important. And, um, you know, we all face negativity every single day. And being able to deal with that negativity is critical. And I think the thing that really stands out to me about this book is that people who are emotionally resili- resilient, they have these seven habits that really help them get control over their feelings and to master their emotions, to understand um, their emotions, they really need to implement these. And sometimes they do it unconsciously. So again, I'm kind of really teasing Cut the Crap Podcast Nation. So again, let's just get into this one right now with habit number one, which is golden nugget number two, respect your emotions. So resilient people, they acknowledge their emotions They accept responsibility for them, and they learn to interpret the positive intentions of their emotions. So share with us some more detail about habit number one. Respect your emotions. What is that about? So this is very interesting. One of the tendencies that I had was because I want to be resilient, I felt that initially I just had to be happy all the time, Mm. that I had to be upbeat all the time, that I had to be positive all the time. But then there are always situations in life, maybe a big deal fell through or your spouse did something that really just 
uh, went against your grain and caused you to be disappointed mm -hmm. or something happened at work that just gets you down. So the first foundational key that I found in terms of the way that emotionally resilient people deal with this is that instead of pretending that it's not there and acting upbeat and positive the whole time, mm -hmm. they acknowledge it. And there's some very interesting scientific data around this. They took about a group of 100 participants and these participants were told to choose an unwanted thought mm. or a memory or an image that just wasn't very positive and they'd rather not have. Mm. And they were told to suppress that negative thought for about five minutes. So it was go ahead, suppress this feeling, suppress this thought, suppress this image that you don't want. Then these participants go off and they go to sleep. Now, do you know what happens, Ryan? Something very hmm. interesting happens. Uh, when these participants go to sleep, the ones who had to suppress these thoughts actually dreamt about it uh, more <laughs> than those who didn't suppress the thought. Wow. So the more you suppress a certain feeling, a certain memory, the more likely it is to pop up. Um, a very good example of this is if I said to you, don't think of an elephant. <laughs> thinking of the elephant right now. <laughs> exactly. In order for you to not think of it, your, your brain has to actually take that word and take what it means and transfer it and then create the negative of it. So mm. the first thing is, whatever you're feeling at that moment in time, just acknowledge it. Um, the second part of this is you then need to realize who's responsible for this. Mm. Um, I responsible for this emotion or is the world responsible for this emotion? And this is one of the things that's kind of hard to do. And I struggle with this and I come from this, not from the perspective of an expert, but from the perspective of a student mm -hmm. who's still learning these things and trying to implement in, them in my life. So the second thing is who's responsible for this emotion that you're feeling? If you're feeling disappointed, is it the world that has made you disappointed or is it you creating a certain movie in your head that's causing you to be disappointed. Hmm. If you're feeling angry, did the world hand you an object that is angry, that is causing you to be angry, or did you within yourself imagine something that is now creating the anger within you? Hmm. And when I looked at it, I realized that emotion is not a tangible thing that the world gives you. Emotion is something that we, through our thoughts, through the way that we interpret certain things, through the way that we focus on something, it's something that we create internally. Mm. So accept what you're feeling, whatever that may be, and then take responsibility for it, that you are the one who has created this emotion, and it is now up to you to change that emotion should you so desire. That's right. Oh, man, I, I love this. And, and again, like I said at the very top, I experienced this today where, you know, one of my clients got on the phone with me today and was was kind of in a panic and said, you know what, like, Ryan, we're desperate for revenue right now. Like it's slow in the summer months and, and things just aren't looking good. And we had a conversation at the end of the conversation, I hung up and I felt sad. I felt worried. I felt anxious. And, and, and I tried to fight them off a little bit. And uh, maybe about two hours, it really affected my day where I, I wasn't smiling anymore. My physiology changed. My shoulders were slumped. I was breathing a little bit more shallow. And I was trying to just cover it up and I was trying to cover it up, trying to suppress it by just putting on music and trying to make myself laugh. And then for some reason, all of a sudden, I just started remembering this. And of course, I have this interview with you today. So I, I sit there and, and I, I remember this and I'm like, you know what? Like, no, accept this, right? Stop trying to push it down. Accept it. So think about this. Why do you feel this way? I feel this way because, you know, I, I feel like I can be responsible for this. I can change things. I can help the, the situation. Okay, great. So you feel anxious. You feel sad. You feel worried. What are you going to do about it? take control of the situation. So I go and, and I talk to them and we come up with different approaches, different conversations we can have with different clients. We get on the phone with them right away. We take action. And as a result of these actions, they felt better. I felt better. At the end of the day right now, as I'm talking to you, I feel so much better that I took control of the situation. I didn't just suppress them and ignore them because if I did, I would be ending my day off on a very low note. And and, and really taking control of our emotions and, and making them real is so important. And at the end of the day, when I was sitting there kind of just in Starbucks reflecting on my day, I remember from the book, the story that you were talking about, um, a, a fantastic story with um, uh, Victor Frankl. Victor Frankl. Yeah. Tell us that story because I think it's very interesting and an incredibly powerful story to really uh, crystallize this point. So Victor Frankl was uh, part of uh – so he was in Germany, and in about September 1942, if I remember correctly, 
he was transported to a Nazi concentration camp. And when he was taken into this concentration camp, they separated him from his family. They took all of his belongings, his clothes, his wedding ring. And he'd been working on this one book that was his life's work. And they took that book and they tore it up in front of him just because they could. And he was treated to absolutely inhumane circumstances. Uh, the Nazi concentration camps were probably the most difficult, brutal, emotional uh, torture that a person can go through. And I visited Auschwitz uh, when I was in Poland. And just being in that space, just being in that concentration camp, you could feel the heaviness oh. uh, and you could feel the sadness in that place. So the reason that I bring up Viktor Frankl in the book is because Viktor Frankl wrote a book after he got out of the concentration camp. And the book is called Man's Search for Meaning, one of the most powerful wow. books that I have ever read. Wow. It completely changed the way that I look at life. And there's one particular quote that I love that highlights this first habit, and that is, Viktor Frankl says this, the one thing that you can't take away from me is the way that I choose to respond to what you do to me. Wow. The last one of freedoms is one's attitude in any given situation. Oh. The, last one, the last one's freedom is choose one's attitude in any given circumstance. Mm. So he's in this place where they've taken everything away from him, and he says that the one thing that you can't take away from me is the way that I choose to feel about this and my attitude towards this. Wow, so incredibly powerful. And I can't even fathom, I can't fathom the things that that man went through, the feelings he had, the the sights that he saw, the things that he heard, uh, horrific. And people ask me all the time, I, I have this mantra, and, and Cut the Crap Podcast Nation, I see this almost every single week, but I have these different mantras where throughout life, you know, when things get you down, you got to remind yourself of these things. So I always say, you know, it's not a setback, it's a setup, and, and that keeps me focused, and it helps me find the setup in every negative circumstance that comes my way. And one time somebody on social media said, yeah, but Ryan, it's easier said than done. It's easy to say that when everything is going well. It's not easy to say that when things are going awry. And I said, no, you're exactly right. But when things don't go well for me, I say that as well because I know that I can control my how I choose um, my attitude uh, in this scenario and how I react to my environment, how I react to certain situations that come my way is, is what's in my control. And that is incredibly empowering. And, I, and for some reason, just people forget that they have that ability to change how they feel. It doesn't happen automatically. You have to work at it. It takes time. But through good practice, through truly believing it and knowing that it's the best way to approach a, a negative circumstance, eventually you buy into it and, and you truly do believe it and you start to see the benefit from it. But I truly love that story of, uh, of Viktor Frankl. It, it's such a great way to crystallize that, um, that habit, habit number one, respect your emotions. So golden nugget number three, which is habit number two, adopt power postures. Now, I was just referring to this earlier when I was talking about my, my crappy day today. And how all of a sudden I started to notice my posture. You know, I started to feel sad. This worry, this anxiety just started to show itself on my body, my body language, how I was breathing changed. My shoulders lowered. My head went down. My eyes weren't, weren't as bright. And all of a sudden I remember again from this book, Habit Number 2, this idea of adopting power postures. And, and, and I remembered this important point. So bring my shoulders back. Breathe deeper. Use my, engage my diaphragm. You know, open my eyes up. Force a smile. And all of a sudden you start to feel better. Right, so this mm -hmm. is something that's super important. That I don't think we focus enough about, so, uh, enough on. So maybe lead us through habit number two: adopt power postures. Tell us more about this one. So I'd like to do this through an interactive exercise, if that's okay, Ryan. Absolutely, let's do it. All right. So whoever's listening, and including you, Ryan, what I want you to do is to just uh, stand up right now for the next thirty seconds, let's do and it. I want you to stand the way that you would if you're feeling depressed. So go ahead and adopt that situation, that state. How would you stand if you're feeling depressed? Okay, I'm uh, standing up right now. Shoulders are slumped, heads down, arms are at my side, pretty loose. And uh, yeah, just not, and feel, not feeling I, good. <laughs> how, don't stay there too long. Don't stay there too long. You can get back. You can sit back down. So here's the thing. You already know how to get depressed. And the way that you <laughs> get depressed is you think certain things and then your physiology changes as well. Mm. So it's your thoughts and your physiology. And now, if we want to get out of a state, whatever that state may be, we can either, either change the, the thoughts mm. or we can change our physiology. And I found that changing your physiology 
is the one thing that we can do almost immediately. It takes so little mm -hmm. effort to change the way that we're standing. So right now you learned how to get depressed. Congratulations. And so now let's <laughs> teach you how to stop being depressed. Uh, lots of research has gone into this and they've found that the way that you stand uh, and the way that you sit, the way that your shoulders are, changes the way that you feel. Hmm. So if you want to feel more confident, uh, pull your shoulders back, your chest up. And here's something that's very, very important. Breathing. Mm. How do you breathe when, uh, let me ask you a question. Uh, do, you, are, do you have a child, Ryan? No, I or don't Or do have you a child. know a child? Oh, of course. Yeah, lots. <laughs> so how, how do they cry? What kind of breathing do they have when they cry? Yeah. Is it shallow breathing or deep breathing? Good question. I wish I knew more about babies. <laughs> <laughs> so when anyone cries, you'll see very shallow breathing. It's like, <laughs> true. <laughs> Yeah. It's very, very shallow breathing. True. And when we have shallow breathing, that restricts the amount of oxygen going into our system and right. that makes us feel very panicky. Right. So if you want to get out of a negative state, just stand straight, put your shoulders back, head up, chest out, and mm. breathe deeply from your belly. Mm. The moment you do this, you start flooding your brain and your body with oxygen and that changes your body's biochemistry and puts you into a more calmer, peaceful state. So I'd say this, you want to change the way you feel, change the way that you're standing or sitting and change the way you're breathing and your life will change. Ah, so powerful, so powerful. And you, you describe it so clearly and cut the crap podcast nation. I know a lot of you do presentations and you sit in the boardroom, you have to do your thing and I get it. And it's really stressful. It's tough. And you're going to feel the nervousness regardless. But you can start to put some of that, start stacking the deck in your favor by doing exactly as Akash says and changing your physiology, pulling your shoulders back, opening up your chest, breathing with your belly. And all of a sudden, as you start doing this, you start to feel more confident and it, it starts to change your biochemistry. And I truly love that. And I've been putting this one into practice for myself for quite a while when, when I was a little bit younger and I was getting into the world of business and, and what have you. I was very young, and so I was intimidated by a lot of the people that were around me. And so when I got off the airport, I was nervous. I got scared. All of a sudden, butterflies started to come into my stomach. And, oh, boy, here we go. You know, I got my big meetings. I hope I don't <laughs> screw this up. So I remember this thing that uh, Tony Robbins said when I was reading one of his books, Awaken the Giant Within. He talks about this Superman pose. He says, pretend you're wearing a cape. And as you're walking, it's your job to keep that cape up and flowing. And I want you to actually picture that cape flowing. He goes, how do you walk to keep that cape flowing? What are your shoulders doing? How are you? Are you walking with purpose or are you just dragging your feet? Are you walking with your shoulders held, held back or your shoulders down low? He goes, ah, of course your shoulders are held back. You got to keep that cape up. You're walking with purpose. And all of a sudden, just by doing that, I felt more confident. All of a sudden, it just clicked in my head and I said, there's something here. And I never forgot that. And when I first told that story on the podcast a couple of years ago, people started to laugh and they're like, whenever you walk now, man, I'm going to be looking for that Superman <laughs> pose. But uh, it's true, man. Like, uh, this idea of adopting power postures is such an important uh, uh, skill to pick up. And I'm glad that you made time for that on habit number two. And uh, definitely something that we can all put into practice right away. So golden nugget number four, which is habit number three. Build your ability to focus. So Akash, tell us why or talk to us why this is a habit and how we can build more focus. So the way that I look at focus is kind of like a camera lens. So you can have a wide camera lens that takes everything in, or you can have a zoomed in camera lens that focuses on just one certain aspect of an object. Mm. And what we focus on in life is what we get more of. So if you're focusing on all the things that you're grateful for, one of the great exercises that I found is every morning or every night, think about all the things that you're grateful for and really feel grateful mm. for those things. When you focus on being grateful, something amazing happens. And that is you now begin to find a lot more things in your life mm. that are going well that you could be grateful for. That's right. When you focus on all the opportunities that are available in this world, we'll li we live in one of the most exciting times ever. Mm -hmm. The internet has allowed anyone to start a business. We can buy books on Amazon from any author in the world. I mean, we... <laughs> We live in a world that is the most abundant uh, time that we have ever had. Mm. So when you focus on the possibilities, you end up getting more possibilities in your life. That's right. Now contrast this with someone who is always complaining about lack of opportunity, who is always ungrateful, who is always focusing on lack 
when you focus on what you don't have, you get less of whatever you had in the first place. So focus is very, very powerful. Whatever you focus on, you'll get more of. Focus on the things that you're grateful for. You'll become more grateful. You'll get more things. Focus on possibilities. And suddenly it's like a radar where the more you focus on possibilities, the more you begin to see them and therefore the more advantage you can take off them. Oh, I love that. And it's it's unfortunate that I believe it was um, Rhonda Burns, The Secret, right? She released The Secret many, many, many mm. years ago and it was, it was really made popular on Oprah. And it was unfortunate because when people heard The Secret, it kind of got publicized in a way that became very hocus pocus. And, oh, if I just think of a million dollars, I'm going to attract a million dollars. And and it's not how it uh -huh. works, you know, and it obviously it's not how it works, but it really did this idea of focus a disservice and what you focus on, you get more of. And when people hear that, they kind of roll their eyes and scoff at it and they say, oh, come on, it's not that simple. Well, yeah, actually it is because when you focus on more positive things, you start to attract more positive events, more positive people, more positive circumstances. These things attract themselves to you because you start to focus on it. And it's actually science in that it's something called the, the RAS, the reticular yes. activating system. Am I right? Yes, that is correct. And so this, 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 uh, uh, part in your brain is activated. And so when you buy a yellow car, for example, before you never noticed yellow cars, you buy a yellow car, all of a sudden you start noticing yellow cars all over the place. And why is that? Because you're focusing on it. So you're going to get more of that. And just as you said, if you focus on things you're grateful for and you take time every day to think about that, all of a sudden you're going to start to feel abundant with so much opportunity and you're going to feel lucky. And you're going to look at your circumstances as, wow, I'm truly blessed for what I have. And I have so much opportunity in front of me right now. And you're just going to become overwhelmed with that. As opposed to how most people are throughout the day. They wake up. They go to work. Ah, whatever. Another day. Another dollar. They come home. They watch TV. Eat some food. And they go to bed. And they work another day. And they never take a moment to just be grateful for what they have. And it's truly a shame because I feel like it holds them back from truly doing great things and bringing their best self in mm -hmm. their life. And it's truly unfortunate. But this idea of building your ability to focus, uh, I truly love that, especially when you're focusing on the right things. And just as you said, gratitude, it, it's an absolute critical piece um, for all of us to remember. Uh, so I read a very interesting quote that said, when you choose a spouse, you're choosing a set of problems because no spouse <laughs> is perfect. And this this is very interesting because... When we look at it, no spouse will ever be perfect. So they're, they're amazing, loving people, and you have an amazing relationship. But they always have a set of problems, and everyone does. Mm. So it's if you want to have a meaningful relationship, you can either, either focus on what they don't have or what they're not good at or that set of problems that they bring in, or you can focus on this 99% of them that is amazing, loving, compassionate, mm. And if you focus on what they don't have and that's all you're looking at, you'll have a relationship that reflects that. But now when you focus on the 99%, that is amazing. And you are grateful for that and you appreciate them for that. That's how you begin to have a more loving relationship. Beautiful. Akash Korea, everybody. Marriage counselor over here. <laughs> that's awesome. But it's so true, though. It's so, And I think all of us can really identify with that. Whether you've been in a, a relationship, um, you know, with a girlfriend, boyfriend, a husband, wife, uh, even people at work, you know, if you're managing people, you can see this as well. If, if you focus on what they're great at, focus on their strengths, as opposed to focusing on what they're not good at and, and magnifying that. It's such an important point. I'm glad you brought that up. So now we move off to the next golden nugget, which is golden nugget number five, which is habit number four, change your beliefs. So in the book, you say that resilient people, they can change or mold their beliefs and they respond to external stimuli in different ways. So talk to us about this idea of changing our beliefs. So have you heard of the placebo effect? Oh yeah, absolutely. All right, so the placebo effect says this, that uh, when some patients are given, given a medicine that is essentially fake, so it's basically a sugar pill, and they're told that this will cure your headache or whatever ailment you have, the fact that they believe that this pill will cure them, mm. even though it's just a sugar pill, actually <laughs> causes them to feel better and makes them better <laughs> because of their belief. Now, I learned this at a very early age, and I had the opposite of a placebo effect. Hmm. 
Now, growing up, I really did not like going to the school that I was attending. Mm. I hated going to school. <laughs> and I remember at certain moments in time where my mom would wake me up and I knew that the best way to get out of going to school was to say that I was sick. <laughs> and now my mom caught onto this and uh, should feel my head to see if I had a fever, if I was pretending. And what started to happen is some days I'd wake up, I'd be completely fine. And I'd will myself and believe so much internally and deeply that I was sick that as curious as it sounds, I'd begin to develop a fever. Wow. And then I'd begin to have flu and I'd have all the symptoms no that way. one would have when they were sick. And I would get out of going to school, but I'd end up falling sick. <laughs> and I learned this at a very early age where my belief system could control the way that I felt. And in fact, it would control my health as well. So. I had the reverse of the placebo effect, which is I believed that I was sick and therefore I became sick. Now, what's very interesting is after my mom would leave the house and she'd go off, after a couple of hours, I'd get back into a perfect state again. My fever would be gone. I'd be playing video games until my mom got back home and suddenly I felt extremely tired, hmm. suddenly have had a fever again. So the way that whatever belief you have, will change the way that you feel, the way that you look at the world. And a placebo effect is a great scientific mm. evidence and proof of that. Absolutely it is. And I, I've seen the exact same thing for myself. And for anybody there in Cut the Crap Podcast Nation who decides to go to their favorite doctor called Google and they think they have some sort of mm. illness or ailment and they go and they self-diagnose, all of a sudden they see the worst case scenario and all of a sudden you read that and you just feel sudden sickness come over your body and I've talked to friends um, you know friends and family members who've done that and all of a sudden just doing their own self-diagnosis they convince themselves they're sick and I'm sick I feel this way I know I have this and all of a sudden just it sits on their body I'm like what are you talking about yeah and they go to the doctor and the doctor says no you're fine all of a sudden they're just like hey, hey I feel great again their energy's back and what the hell just happened? You didn't take anything. What changed was your 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 belief. That's what changed in terms of the fact that you thought you were uh, ill. Now you think that you're well. And it's so incredibly important that we take control of this. And again, from my own personal uh, experience, again, when I was younger and I was, again, going off to my clients and what have you, I would always be very nervous. So what I would always do is I was very, um, for, it surprises people, but I was pretty shy. And I would always tell myself, listen, people tell you, man, Ryan, you are super confident. You, you speak very well. You're great. But I'm like, they just don't know that I'm super shy. I'm surprised they don't know. <laughs> so what I remember doing was I remember opening up my wallet and taking a sticky note. And I would write on the sticky note certain periods of time where I knew I was confident and, and people knew that I was confident. I came across very confident. I would write those down or times where I'd succeed. And I would write it on the piece of paper and I'd get on the plane and, and before I'd land, I'd, I'd read that piece of paper and remind myself, hey, Ryan, don't worry. You're not a shy guy. You were confident at this point in time. And every single time you do something confident, you feel good about yourself, write it down on that sticky note. So it was maybe about, I don't know, 10 flights later and eventually the sticky note from back to front was completely filled up with, with times where I was confident. And all of a sudden I started to change my belief where I said, you know what? I don't think I'm shy anymore. I think I'm confident mm -hmm. and, and, and no, in fact, I know that I'm confident. And again, it changed my belief. And now I don't consider myself a shy person at all. I consider myself an extrovert. I get my energy from hanging out with people. I feel great when I speak. I love the fact that I connect with people, but again, I had to work at it, but that just mm -hmm. goes to show the importance of changing your beliefs. Yes. And I think you hit on a very important point when it comes to belief. A lot of people have uh, disempowering beliefs about their life. So it's not just mm. that believing will make you sick or it will make you happy. This applies to every area of your life. I'm not good at public speaking. I'm not good at math. I'm not yes. good at this. That's a belief that is holding you back. That's right. And if you want to change it, what you did and you demonstrated so well, Ryan, is what I call a belief opposition strategy, mm. which is find points in your life where this belief that is holding you back was not true. So I, too, used to believe that I'm a very, very shy person. Mm. And to counter that, I started looking at what are those points in life where I haven't been shy? What is that opposition to this belief? And I looked at I wasn't shy around my friends. I wasn't shy around my family. And then the next part, and this is critical, is to take action to make the new belief that you want a reality. So it's not enough to say I am confident because your brain will go, 
That's BS because you're still shy and you've done nothing <laughs> to change that. So if you want to change from I'm shy to I am becoming more confident, go to a Toastmasters club, mm. give a presentation, uh, go do something right. that will help uh, reinforce this new belief that you want in your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great point to, uh, to clarify uh, that last habit. Again, change your beliefs. That's habit number four. So now we get on to golden nugget number six, which is habit number five. Use the hidden power of questions. So emotionally resilient people, they understand how to use questions to truly improve themselves. So Akash, tell everyone out there in Cut the Crap Podcast Nation how they can leverage the hidden power of questions. So I learned this from Tony Robbins, and a lot of the work that I do has been influenced by a number of different individuals, including Tony Robbins, Daniel Goleman, uh, Carol Dweck. But awesome. this particular one, uh, Tony Robbins showed this to me, and in one of his seminars, he taught that every question that you ha ask has a presupposition. Mm. Now, what's a presupposition? A presupposition is basically an assumption within the question. So, for example, if you ask a question such as, why does my boss never respect me? The presupposition, the hidden assumption to that question is that your boss never respects you. Hmm. And so your brain will take that hidden assumption as being true and come up with all the answers around it. So your boss doesn't respect you because he's a terrible individual, because he doesn't like you, because he is a complete idiot. <laughs> um, when you ask yourself, why am I such a failure? The presupposition to that is that you are a failure. Mm. If you ask yourself, why can I never get things right? Again, there's a hidden That's assumption right. to that, that you never get things right. So look at the questions that you're routinely asking yourself and look at what are the presuppositions? What are the assumptions that that question is posing that your brain is accepting and your brain will accept any assumption and come up with answers around that. Change the question change the presupposition, and you'll have a higher quality of life. Oh, how often do we ask those questions, those kinds of questions where, you know, what did I do to deserve this? Or why is life so unfair? Mm -hmm. or, why does my boss hate me so much? You're asking the wrong kind of questions where instead of you ask the kind of question of, you know, uh, what can I learn from this? Exactly. Or how can I use these lessons to be successful at my new goals? Or be successful at my new job. You know, if you got fired, for example, you need to ask better questions. When you ask better questions, you just simply get better results. And again, it's it's our language, and the language we use is so powerful. And I I always talk about this with people quite frequently, and the fact they use language that is very disempowering, and it doesn't empower them to truly be their best. And a good example that I was just talking about with a friend this weekend was. Um, they wanted to they wanted to buy a brand new car and they they used very disempowering language. They said, "Ah, Ryan, I'll never be able to afford that." So I sit there and I got mad at him. I said, "What are you talking about? You'll never be able to afford that." I'm like, "You are smart. You're you're intelligent. You have the wherewithal to afford this car." Yeah, but I just it's so expensive. I don't think I'll ever be able to afford that. The language you use will pretty much cement in stone for you that you will never have that car. And as I told him that, he said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, instead of saying, I'll never have that car, guess what? You're never going to have that car because you are, you're, you're using very disempowering language. So I said, ask a better question. Say, how can I afford this car? And I said, say mm -hmm. that from now on. Instead of saying like, oh, I'll never be able to afford this, use the language, how can I afford this car? Ask a better question. And he goes, what's the difference? And well, the difference is now your mind is open. Before your mind was closed, you weren't thinking about anything in terms of what opportunities you could use to afford that car. But now, now your mind is completely wide open to all the opportunities you have in your disposal to afford that car. And I said, next week, I'm going to ask you the exact same question. And I hope that you ask yourself this question every single day. And next week when we meet... I hope you have a number of ideas in terms of how you can better afford this car because I can already come up with like two or three different answers in terms of how you can do that. The mm -hmm. language you use is so important and I just don't think we give enough focus to the kind of language you use and how empowering it is or how disempowering it is. So now this brings us to golden nugget number seven, which is habit number six, develop positive self-talk and inner movies. So it's an interesting one, a little bit different. So Akash, take us through this one. So this comes from the world of NLP, which is neuro-linguistic programming. Mm. So I'll tell you a story around this. Uh, a couple of years ago, 
I had a business that was thriving, uh, and I had a business partner. It was a very good relationship. But uh, after a couple of years of running this business, my business partner started to engage in, the, in some shady tactics. Mm. He started to keep the accounting hidden away from me. And I started to notice that there was less money flowing in than there had been in the past. Mm. And eventually, long story short, this partner ran away with my money. Oh, so no. we built up this business and he just ran away with all my money. Now, this happened a couple of years ago. But what's very interesting is that uh, even after this situation was over, I started a new business that was doing really well. And in fact, I bounced back stronger from it. Awesome. Even after I'd moved on from that actual circumstance, my brain would go back to the situation hmm. and think of my partner and it'd bring back this oh. uh, movie that I was playing in my head hmm. of him not paying me and running away with my money. And I, I'd ha what happens when we start to feel negative or we get down is that we have a movie that is replaying in our head. Hmm. So think about it this way. Maybe you run into someone and they say something mean to you. How often during the day do you replay that to yourself? <laughs> Too that many times. Person, <laughs> that person is gone. The situation is over. And yet you're wallowing in self-pity and anger and disappointment because you have this move in your head that you're playing back to yourself. So the technique from NLP is this. When I have this image of my partner and I start to go down, um, I go ahead and I think of myself as a director of that movie. And as cheesy as this technique mm -hmm. is, it actually works. So go ahead and play around with the controls of that movie. Darken the picture, move it further away from you so that it no longer has that emotional threshold on, it, on you. Uh, imagine mm. taking that movie and shrinking it down in your head mm. so that it's a very, very tiny movie. And while this all seems cheesy and you're going, that'll not work, there's no way <laughs> such a technique would ever have any impact. What you'll find is just because of the fact that you're consciously aware of this movie in your head and you're doing something to change it, mm. either lowering the volume so you can no longer hear the person. Maybe you're turning their voice into a very uh, <laughs> interesting character like Mickey Mouse. And the person, instead of saying, you're such an idiot, they're going, you're such an idiot. <laughs> right? uh, because you're consciously playing around with these controls, your mind will go back into a more positive state. So it's a very corny, cheesy technique, mm. but if you try it, it works. Cut the crap podcast nation. It does work. Trust me. You have to put this stuff into practice for you because it's surprising just the little mental games that you can play in your own head and how by adding these little auditory cues or just changing it up a little bit, turning the volume down, changing the voice, make, picturing it as being smaller, all these little funny things, which Akashi said, you know, seems kind of funny. But in reality, it's so strange, but it does work as all these different aspects that we've been talking about today. So just arming you with all these different tools and techniques and tactics that you can put into place for yourself to better manage your emotions throughout the day when negative circumstances come your way. I truly love that one. Absolutely love it. With that particular habit, what I really want to get across is not necessarily playing about with the movies. It's just knowing that there is a movie going on inside mm. your head and you're the one who's playing that movie and you have complete control as to how long it plays, when it plays, and if you want it off, you have that power as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And now this really sums up our interview. And I'm sad about this because I'm loving this so much. It's such, such a good discussion and such great topics. But uh, golden nugget number eight, which leads us to the last habit, habit number seven, controlling the ABC loop. So in the book, you say that resilient people, they're just better able to control their ABC loop. So lead us through this, Akash. Tell us what the ABC loop is and, and why this is important, why it's important to control it. So the ABC loop is very simple. The A stands for the antecedent, which is the stimulus. And I'll explain that in a second. The B is the behavior that you're engaging. And C is the consequence that you get as a result of that behavior. So growing up, I used to have anger management issues. Mm. And this used to stem from the fact that I was very, very insecure and I used to get bullied a lot. So I'll take you through the ABC loop in terms of how my life used to play out with these emotional patterns and behaviors that I repeat. So the A, the antecedent, the stimulus, 
was that someone in class would say something about me, make fun of the size of my nose, and you can't see me, but I have a very, very big nose. <laughs> and so that was, that was something that would trigger a lot of embarrassment, and therefore that stimulus, someone saying something mean to me, would cause me to feel a certain emotion, uh, anger, embarrassment, whatever it was. Now, because I felt that emotion, it would lead to B, which was the behavior. And in this case, because I had anger management issues, the behavior would be I'd have all this emotion pent up and I'd ball up my fists and I'd get into a fist fight. And the consequence of that, as you can tell, was not a very good consequence. <laughs> uh, I ended up releasing that anger and the pressure disappeared, but I had a ton of bruises. I received punishment. <laughs> it wasn't a very popular kid in class. So this ABC loop would play out all the time. Someone would say something bad. It would lead to a certain repeatable behavior, and that would end up in the same consequence. And we go through this loop all the time. For you, it may be completely different, mm. but there is an ABC loop. Now, in order to take advantage of this loop and change it, there's three ways to, uh, two ways to do this. Number mm. one is you can change the antecedent, which mm. is you can change the stimulus. Mm. Let's say that you're trying to lose weight, right? Um, one of the ways that you can get rid of the stimulus that causes you to overeat is just not have the ice cream in the fridge. <laughs> just get rid of the ice cream, man. If the stimulus is not there, you will never end up in a situation right. where you'd engage in the unproductive behavior. So uh, stay away from those stimuluses that you know cause you to be in unproductive states. Now, the second way of doing this is to change the B. If you can't change the antecedent, if you can't change the stimulus, change the behavior. Mm. So one way of changing the behavior is to go back and start with the physiology. So let's say that you find yourself feeling incredibly tense, right? That shows up in your physiology. When you look at yourself, you'll find that your shoulders may be a bit tight. Your muscles are a bit scrunched up. There's a lot of tension going on in your body. So let go of that tension and you'll find that you feel differently and therefore you'll have a completely different behavior. So to change the behavior, mm. change your physiology. Mm. The other way of changing your behavior is uh, to use something called future pacing. Mm. Now future pacing may sound very, very complex, but it's not. Mm. It's basically visualization. And there's a very, very interesting study that was done uh, around people who visualize going to the gym mm. versus people who actually went to the gym. So imagine two groups of people, one group of, per, uh, one group of people actually goes to the gym and actually works out, hmm. lifts the weight, spends the time in the gym. Another group of people does not go to the gym. In fact, all they do is visualize going to the gym and lifting <laughs> weights. So we're trying to figure out which group had uh, gained muscle mass at the end of the study. Do you think that the group that did not go to the gym actually had any meaningful results in terms of muscle definition or muscle growth? No way. Quick guess. No way. Yeah. Because, of course, you didn't put in the work. So, of, of course. course, you would. Turns out we're completely wrong. Hmm. The people who went to the gym and actually did the work had their muscle mass increased by about 30%. Hmm. But. Very interestingly, the people who only visualized going to the gym, but did not go to the gym, just visualized mm. it, increased muscle mass by about, sorry, muscle strength, my yeah. bad, not mass, muscle yeah. strength, by 13.5%. Wow, no so that's, kidding. They got half the benefit huh. as someone who actually went to the gym. Hmm. So now when this comes to changing your behavior, visualize what that stimulus is that puts you into negative, unproductive states, and then visualize how would you overcome it? How would you behave differently? What's the behavior that you ideally desire? Mm. And just by visualizing and putting yourself into these future situations and seeing yourself engage in them in a different manner, that will cause you to behave differently wow. because you've mentally rehearsed a different outcome the moment that it actually happens. Wow. So the ABC loop is very, very powerful. Either change the antecedent or change the behavior and you'll completely change the consequence of the results that you get. That is emotional habits. Seven things resilient people do differently and how they can help you succeed in business and in life. By Akash Korea. 
Akash, man, honestly, like, I'm not blowing up your head. Everyone out there in Cut the Crap Podcast Nation, they hear me thank authors every single week, and, and, and they know I'm not blowing smoke up anybody's ass. But I'm telling you, this by far, I think, was my favorite podcast that I've done to date. No word of a lie. I truly enjoyed the topic. The idea of how the brain functions is so, it's so curious to me, and I feel like it's one of those untapped territories that we just haven't figured out enough about and being able to think properly has the ability to truly change our lives and change our perspectives which changes everything for us our relationships our career what happens to us in life how we approach certain situations and this book by itself as i said at the very top of the podcast is foundational for absolutely everybody and the fact that you built this book you put all this content together for your own family member I encourage all of you out there in Cut the Crap Podcast Nation to listen to this again, take notes, pick up the book, and send this episode, send the book off to your friends, your family members, your your coworkers, your peers, everybody that you care about because it is so damn important and you just don't know how this is going to change people's lives. But Akash, man, like you were dynamite today on the podcast and I just really am grateful for you coming on the show and sharing all of your wisdom with us. And I know that this is going to strike a chord with so many people out there in Cut the Crap Podcast Nation who truly needed to hear it at the right time. And um, I just got to say thank you, man. It's been a true pleasure having you on the show. Hey, Ryan, I have to say this. You were by far one of the best interviewers that I've ever had. (laughs) This was so much fun. You are incredibly insightful and I love what you do. I love who you are and I love your mission in in terms of sharing these ideas that you have and getting all these authors and sharing all this knowledge for free when you could charge for it. So (laughs) you do amazing work. Thank you for all you do for the world. My man, thank you so much. I do appreciate all those kind words. But for anybody out there in Cut the Crap Podcast Nation who wants to look you up, as I'm sure they do now, they want to look you up online, they want to read more of your books, how can they go about connecting with you and finding out more information about you? So I'd love to hear from you. I've got a bunch of free resources on my website that you can download. So the website is akashkaria.com. That's A-K-A-S-H-K-A-R-I-A.com. If you want to send me an email, it's akash at akashkaria.com. I'm so happy that I got this chance to be on the podcast with Ryan. Feel free to reach out to me if there's any questions, any way that I can help you. Please send me an email, check out my website, and I look forward to connecting with you soon. I love it. Again, thank you so much, Akash. It was a true pleasure having you on the show. And I'll have to get you back on the show again just to talk about some more of your books. Because, again, if it was anything like this one, we're going to have a lot of good episodes coming up in the future with you and I. Fantastic. Looking forward to it. Right. There we have it. That's Emotional Habits, the seven things resilient people do differently and how they can help you succeed in business and in life. Now, like I said, I really love this episode. And at the very top... I pleaded with all of you to please send out this this episode to all of your network, your family, your friends, your colleagues, your network. doesn't matter what it is. Like I said at the top, there's so many people who suffer in silence who just don't know are suffering in silence. And they're going through tough stuff right now and they just don't know their resilience. They don't know that they have this strength inside of them. But sometimes they just need a little bit of stimulus, something to inspire them, something to make them think, to change their focus and make them see you know, a different perspective. And when I shared this with somebody, the, the book with somebody, and they, they brought it back to me and they said, you know what, Ryan, I, I needed this more than you know. And they went into detail, into details in, into their life that I didn't realize they were having this kind of stress. And when they told me that this came at the right time and how much they needed it, it just completely floored me, which is why I'm making this plea to all of you, because I had no idea this person needed help. I just shared it with them because it was a great book and I thought it was great, but I had no idea they're going through this stuff. And so for you, you don't know who in your network is going through stuff. It could be your, your, your family, your friends, your colleagues, people you don't even know that are just connected to you, who will read the post, who will listen to the episode and come back to you afterwards and thank you for sharing it because they needed it at that point in time in their life. Like I said, we just don't know what people are going through. And again, to make people feel inside that they are resilient, that they have strength and give them this stimulus to make them resilient. I'm telling you, it can go a long way. And I know personally it's already gone a long way with people in my direct network. And I haven't even shared this out yet. I haven't even shared the podcast episode, just the book. So I can't wait to get it out there. And hopefully it resonates with a lot of people and and could perhaps change a lot of people's lives and put them on a right course. So please, again, I'm begging all of you out there. I don't ask for a lot of you guys. And I, um, I put out this content every single week, you know, for free. And I put in a lot of work. I don't ask much, but I am asking all of you 
especially for this episode, to share it because I know what kind of impact it can have on people. So thank you so much to all of you who do that in advance. It means a lot to me. Thank you. Again, don't forget, everybody, connect with me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Connect with me on there. Say hi. Tell me a family the podcast. Don't forget to leave a rating and a review for the show if you listen on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Podcasts. You can leave a rating or review on there. Take a screen capture of it. Send it to podcast at ryancalajury.com, and I'll make sure you get into the draw every quarter for a prize. And don't forget to go to cutthecrappodcast.com. On the very top, you'll see summaries. Give me your first name, last name, email address, and I'll make sure you get the summary PDFs in your inbox when I send those out. All right, everybody. That is a wrap for today. And again, I'm asking all of you to do me that big favor and send it out to everybody because, again, this is so important to me. So please, if you could do that, that just means so, so much. And I know I've said it three times now, but uh, it is just super important to me, and it would just mean a lot to me if you did that. So... In any case, that's enough for this week, everybody. I will be back here next week. We're going to have a brand new book, brand new Golden Nuggets, an interview with an author. And, of course, you know what I'm doing every single week. I'm here just trying to save you a little bit of time and bring you some information that can spark real change in your life. Have a fantastic, productive, inspired week, everybody. Love you all. There's a great feeling in these overcoming these difficult things because life is never this just constant state of I'm at a nine all day and when I'm with my wife, I hit 10. Yay, and I stay like that. That's not real. What's real is like you saying that you went to this monastery and felt all this this angst about meditating and being alone and not having your phone and not having the input, but then when it comes out of it, then you have this reward. So you you push through this and you had these uncomfortable feelings and you came out of those uncomfortable feelings with this newfound appreciation for time and this newfound this respect for your own existence in your own space and carving out three hours for yourself a day. That's where it all comes from. It all comes from life lessons and the lessons are learned through struggle. And I think that there's a lot of people out there that think somehow or another you're going to get to some place where you're living in silk sheets and you're getting your toes done while someone's dropping grapes into your mouth. I don't want that. I've never wanted that. That guy's not going to be happy. He's going to be bored an hour into the grapes. You're going to get those fucking grapes away from me. Stop painting my toes. What am I doing in this bed? I got to do something. I'm not stimulated. The human organism, the animal that we are, needs constant stimulation because it evolved trying to find food and escape enemies and find shelter, escape nature, escape the elements, try to survive, and this is the great joy that you have in taking care of your children, that you can protect your children from the elements and the enemies and feed them, and, and it's also the great sadness that you see in losers. When I see a loser, I see some guy who's 43 years old, lives in his parents' basement, and he fucking hates the world. I'm like, that was a baby. Man, this is a baby that somebody just gave shitty nutrients to, whether it's f nutrients in the forms of food or in the form of thoughts and ideas and examples. And this kid developed these horrible, self-defeating patterns of behavior that have led them to this point where they're this this middle-aged person with no future and no idea of how to get out of this rut and probably never will escape it and might just wind up sucking on a gun. You know, I mean, this is, this is the world that we live in today. And I think part of that world is because we have been fed this line of horseshit that you're supposed to seek comfort. And I don't think you are. I think you're supposed to seek lessons and you're supposed to seek difficult tasks and, 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 and accomplishments. And through those things and through doing things that are hard to do, even if it's just a fucking 90-minute hot yoga class, I do a 90-minute yoga class, man. I, those last 20 minutes, I do not want to be there, man. And I definitely don't want to give 100%. And I can cheat. I can, I can kind of half-ass it. I can, I can, but if I don't and I get through it, when that time is up and the lady says namaste and everybody gets up, I'm like, fuck, man. I made it. You know, I lost 15 pounds. My fucking yoga mat is drenched to the point where I can literally wring it out and fill a, a, a jug up with water. 
but through that struggle, I will now have a better day, and I better fucking do it again tomorrow, or do something else, because if I just think, well, tomorrow I'm just gonna coast and eat Twinkies and watch TV, oh, hello, sadness, my old friend, hello, depression, because when you're not doing anything, you feel like shit, and that's just part of being a human being, and we can pretend that we're something other than what we really are, and we can pretend, nah, me, man, I'm just cool, just chilling, doing nothing, bullshit, you're a fucking human, you're a human being, you're, you evolved from the fucking hundreds of thousands of years of hunters and gatherers and people that were struggling. Those re human reward systems are carved deeply into your DNA. And if you don't respect that, if you don't respect the mechanism of happiness and fulfillment and what you really need to do in order to feel satisfied in life, camaraderie, love, family, friendship, struggle, testing yourself, learning, all those things are imperative. They're all a giant part of being a person. You know, and also, like, little improvements over things. That's why doing difficult things is good, whether it's running. So, like, if you're running and you run, you could run two miles, and then one day you get it up to three. It's like, fuck, I remember when I struggled with two. Now I can do four. Little improvements. You know, and you, you really see that in yoga class, in, in particular for me, because I'm not good at it. You know, so when I do a yoga class and I can hold a pose, until the you know you're holding these poses for a minute if you could stand on one foot grabbing your other foot and lifting it above your head and keep your arm out straight and your balance and your foot's on fire and your core is engaged but if you can get to the point where they say stop you 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 feel like wow I didn't used to be able to do that I used to be able to hold it for 10 seconds and then I would fall down and then I have to start all over again and start from scratch there's little improvements when you feel yourself getting a little better at something, whether it's jujitsu or anything else. There's little improvements, I think, are what life is all about. And I think also they're, they're a tool to feed the mind. Because I really believe the mind needs these little lessons. The mind needs these little, these little tasks. And if you, your brain doesn't get that, I think it atrophies and it gets depressed. And it's like, it's like, I think that's half of what a lot of people's sadness is, is this lack of stimulation and reward, lack of these peaks and valleys. And this, again, this bullshit idea that we're constantly fed that you should be comfortable.